I don't see why you didn't put passenger before railroad. That would make way more sense. The railroad doesn't like go on to the passengers. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You gotta carry the Amtrak train over the Colorado Mount Rockies. I love how we can talk about our local Amtrak service, the, the Zephyr, without it being a local reference because it's also in like 20 other states. Willkommen in Internet! Live aus der Meer, drei The University Dota! Da ist der Red Line Podcast! Ich bin it! Why'd you sound so angry? It's German. German it's is a very peaceful and <laughs> not aggravated language. Sure. Yeah. Okay, for real this time though. Welcome to the internet. Live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah, this is the Red Line Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Dunstan, and these are my co-hosts, Kyle Holland and Alex Fielder. This week, it's all about the National Railroad Passengers Corporation, also known as Amtrak. We'll talk Zephyrs, Corridors, and Union Stations. Why did I say it like that? Try that again, Uh and also it's passenger singular, not plural. one passenger? Yeah, it yeah. just carries Joe Biden around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You think I'm kidding, but he's... Joe Biden has taken 2,800 trips on Amtrak in his life. Whew. He should... Well, anyway. Alex Fielder. This week, it's all about the National Railroad Passenger Singular Corporation, <laughs> also known as Amtrak. We'll talk Zephyrs, Corridors, and Union Stations. All this after the news. Oh, that was actually pretty good. Okay, so today's news is slightly different. Uh, as we all know, ridership on almost every transit system in the world took a steep dive a few years ago due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and it still hasn't fully recovered in a lot of places. Growth has been slow for a lot of reasons, but two stories in Mass Transit Magazine this week provide a hint of where ridership will be found going forward. First, the New York City subway had its highest ever post-pandemic Sunday ridership the last three weeks for a number of reasons. Uh, That includes a marathon and also people just like, you know, wanting to do stuff on Sundays. That's cool. (laughs) Last Sunday was um, 83% of pre-pandemic ridership on Sunday for the New York subway. That's a lot. Yeah, considering that they're still getting like under 65 on weekdays most of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, that's good. Uh, And then Houston's Metro Rail, which is their itty-bitty light rail system, uh, had its third highest ridership day ever. Congratulations. Yeah, carrying (laughs) over 105,000 riders in a single day on Monday the 7th. Nice. Why was that? Uh, Astros parade because the Astros were in the World Series, which I believe they lost to the Phillies. Uh, congratulations, Philadelphia, remaining the best city in America. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, yeah. So they, I believe they had a parade to like send them off or bring them back or something. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine wanting to do anything on Sunday. As someone uh, no. who comes from Utah, no, that's against no. the Lord. I couldn't imagine anything being open on Sunday. Let alone having service on Sunday. <laughs> yes, that is true. Kind of hard to get weekend ridership when you barely have weekend service. So, these two cases show what transit providers must prioritize going forward. Off-peak, event service, and weekend service are where ridership is rebounding and growing the fastest. And agencies must invest to take advantage of new demand and new travel patterns. 
Um, and then also I should mention that I have been hearing through the rumor mill at UTA uh, <laughs> that 15-minute Saturday track service may be coming next August change. Which is in about a year? Yeah. Well, under a year now. Oh. We're almost to December. Oh, right. Though. I forget. Time keeps continuing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah. nice, that's a nice rumor to hear on also, the grapevine. Also, we may get 20-minute service on Sundays as well. Let's go. 20-minute? Oh. That would be yeah, insanely that, better. This is part of the reason why they did the single car thing mm-hmm. on sa- Sundays is to save manpower for, like, doing more service in the future. Or not necessarily single car, but general fixed Oh, yeah, general fixed contest, yeah. Which okay. should probably be longer in some situations. No, they shouldn't. Three cars is more than enough to accommodate redline travel. Oh, I was speaking to the one car weekend once. Oh, yeah. No, just <laughs> take two cars. It's not that hard. Yeah. It's not going to save you that much money, and those things are full. <laughs> it's not fun. It's it's okay to let your passengers be comfortable? No. Just cram them in like sardines. What is this, the ski bus? <laughs> oh, what good lord. Bus? Speaking of the ski bus, it's going to run every 30 minutes and we're going to just be completely crammed in there. I read on the UTA ski service webpage that they're going to have police escorts at the park and rides during peak times on the ski bus. I'm sure they are, which is why we will be going to the first station, which is a track station. And we can get off there and get on before everybody else tries to, is the idea. Yeah. Oh. Hopefully, everyone else does not think of that. They won't. They always go to the to the actual park and rides, oh, yeah. which are up <laughs> near the canyon. So yeah. That seems like a poor decision. But Well, don't spread the news of this, because I would like <laughs> to be able to ride the ski bus. <laughs> and if anybody out there is looking for work, UTA is hiring. Yeah, bus drivers, tracks drivers, not front-runner drivers at the moment, but... Meadowbrook Garage, ski bus. You could drive a ski bus. I can't drive a ski bus. I don't have you a CDL. You in the generic... Oh, don't... No worry. UTA will help you get your CDL. Yeah. Also, they provide competitive pay and benefits starting at uh, 19.20-something an hour do for I have... all operator positions. Do they have dental and vision? They do. Ooh. Okay. I'm sold. Or it's subsidized. Like, you have to pay, but it's cheap. Uh, okay. Uh, not as excited. Like 20 a month or something. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So... And anyway, is, are they still trying to raise pay with the union and all yes. that? I wish them the best. This is <laughs> a plug for UTA because we would like to ride the ski bus. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and I work there, and I would like to have more co-workers, so. Yeah. Those rumors aren't going to make themselves. No. So that was our UTA ad slash news of the day. Oh, yeah. Um, ridership rebound. Off-peak event service, weekend service. Maybe. Just Maybe. COVID was a positive turning point for transit in general because Boo. historically Boo. Peak transportation the only good because historically a lot of transit systems have tried to capture one type of trip and that is the 9 to 5 office commute trip in which you're taking the train because the freeway is clogged up which is honestly not a very good trip to capture for the long term growth of your system so maybe it's good that we're now being forced to expand and serve everything. All right, you're going to have to bleep this real quick. Bleep. <laughs> Nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was less than three seconds, so it falls under fair use. Yeah, something like it's that. It's very clearly a transformative work. Well, we, we can <laughs> also just sing it as well. But. Working nine to five, what a way to make a living, barely... 
getting by. It's all taken and no giving. Commuting one hour on the most congested freeway <laughs> from my <laughs> suburban house. 20 miles from city center. 20 miles, that's generous. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think it'd be way further than that. I'm using Salt Lake numbers. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, but there are still a lot of people commuting from Provo to Salt Lake. Why? Because they want to live in Provo and there are 400,000 day jobs in Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's fair. They compared to like 100,000 people that work, live like live and work here. That's <laughs> fair. They should take front runner and Salt Lake should build more houses. And front that runner should be That is a surprisingly hot take. Hot take. <laughs> Flaming hot take. Like nobody's ever thought of this before. Burning hot. Wait until hot the foot in, Take it and see. I got mm. a fever. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this has been the very extended news. So, the eternal question. (laughs) (laughs) What is an Amtrak and what does it do? Everybody asks, what is Amtrak? Nobody asks, how is Amtrak? Oh, everyone asks, how is Amtrak? And the answer answer is fairly clear. The answer is shit. But, no. So, Amtrak is the United States National passenger rail provider, one of only four companies providing intercity rail service in the United States. Wait, there are other ones? Yeah. Let me guess, some East Coast tomfoolery happening? Incorrect. Um, Really? So the other three are quite random. Um, One is Brightline. Okay, that makes sense. Which operates (laughs) in Florida in the future between Orlando and Miami. So Eventually. Which is also an Amtrak service. Committing Darwinism against drivers. Since yes. Whenever Brightline starts yes. being a thing. <laughs> yes. Brightline. Brightline is very based mostly because it creams a car every two days. <laughs> um, it creams a car. I wonder how like much. I wonder how much Brightline was, alone contributes to like <laughs> death statistics for many for rail. Many. Um, then there's the Rocky Mountaineer, which operates between, like, two random towns, one in Chicago and one in Utah. Oh, I saw this. What? I saw this on a drive to Moab, Utah. I was passenger in the car, and I saw the train going up the Amtrak tracks. I'm like, that's awful short. Wait, that's a passenger train. What the hell? Amtrak doesn't go down here. Yeah, so it's it operates kind of its own little deal. It's just like a luxury vacation train that you can take for two days over the Rocky Mountains to see all the yes, pretty sights. Yes, it, it takes two days to get from where Grand Junction or It's like 200 miles. It's, it's incredibly Moab. slow. Like, if people think Amtrak is slow, they should try the Moab. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say two days from Grand Junction to Moab? Yeah. Yeah. The train also only travels so during daylight, like and they'll hours. hook you up with a hotel in the middle. Because you can't, you know, enjoy the scenery from the train when it's dark. Two, two days. It's a though. vacation train. It's very much. If you, if you wow. thought Amtrak spun things as an experience. Um, Which it doesn't that much. Just a little bit. And Only like on the, the surf- Zephyr. And then like surface marketing on the long distance route. This, this is the full extent of that. It's also very expensive. It's incredibly expensive. It's oh. one of the most expensive trains in the world. But, yeah, it goes Denver to, or, like, Grand Junction, excuse me, to Moab, and it's just its own little weird railroad. And it goes very slowly, which is fitting for using the Pacific track. I don't know if it counts as a passenger railroad, really, but we'll we'll, we'll stick it in there. Since it's not doing anything. We're we're looking for scraps at this point. (laughs) Hopefully I'll see it when I go to Grand Junction this Friday. 
Colorado. Um, And then the other one is the Alaska Railroad, which operates year-round passenger and freight service between Fairbanks and Anchorage, and that's basically it. Um, Seems good. (laughs) During the summer season, they have everyday everyday, uh, round-trip passenger service between the two. Uh, but on during the winter, they only do it once a week on Saturdays and Sundays. So there's like a every Saturday a northbound train leaves the Fairbanks, and every Sunday a southbound goes back to Anchorage. That's a service pattern. What? Why? Why? First of all, you try running a train in Alaska in the winter. Yeah, that's fair. And second of <laughs> all, there's no tourists to help out like there is mm. in the summer. I've also heard that there's a number of residences out out in Alaska a lot. whose only link to the rest of civilization is via rail. Right. And they just like come flag well, down via the train. rail, Alaska Railroad. Sorry, <laughs> via <laughs> rail. Via Alaska Rail. And then they go like flag down the train and the train lets them on. That yeah. sounds like the dream. It's literally a thing and you can literally just stand next to the tracks because it doesn't go very fast because Alaska. Also, you can just stand next to the tracks and yeah. flag the thing down. Alaska, well, also tourism, also it's stopping to pick people up off the side of the tracks, etc., yeah. etc. Et so it's it's quite a service, um, but those are the only four passenger f- railroads in the United States. So we've got one huge one, one budding one, and two weird minor ones. Yeah, the one huge one being Brightline. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I cannot stress enough to people just how, like, enormous of a scale Amtrak operates on. Like, Amtrak serves over 500 stations in 46 states on 21,400 miles of track in addition to buses that connect to their rail services because (laughs) as a national corporation they're required to provide service basically everywhere. So if the place doesn't have, like, you know, Amtrak service and it's a big city... Guess what? You're going to have an Amtrak bus you can take to the nearest train. Wait, did, did you say 46 states? 46 so states. So besides Hawaii... Alaska, Hawaii, South Dakota, and Wyoming don't have any uh, trains in them. South, is there just nobody South in Dakota, South Dakota or Wyoming? There are people, and also you can get an Amtrak bus. Right. I, I, I understand <laughs> Wyoming, but South Dakota's... I think this is on like the Amtrak map. There's three big east-west routes, so there's just a gap in there that's oh, yeah. big enough to... Yeah, like, between the Zephyr the and the Empire Builder, there's just this little gap between and Wyoming and South Dakota there. Well. So... Yeah, 21,000 miles of track. Um, they operate 300 daily trains. They have 17,000 employees, and they provide commuter rail service or help provide commuter rail service for 11 local transit agencies. Sounds good. They do a lot. Sounds like a yeah. powerhouse. The devil works hard. Amtrak works harder. <laughs> <laughs> the devil Sounds being the United right. States freeway system. <laughs> Not to mention they're, you know, constantly fighting with all their host railroads to be able to even run these 300 trains a day to begin with. Right. Uh, Amtrak owns under 500 miles of track that it operates over, which leads to some rather unfortunate results in terms of frequency and speed on its longer distance routes, as well as the fact that the three transcontinental routes in particular are notorious for unreliability. Just because they Freight just spend literally 2,000 miles over Union Pacific and BNSF track, neither of which want them there. BNSF, and the engine that connects us. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the engine that makes corporate profits at the expense of infrastructure. Making anything For Warren Buffett? Question mark. 
Yes. Oh, cool. Exclamation point. It's owned point. by Berkshire Hathaway, I think. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah. Everything's owned by Berkshire it's, Hathaway, it's, though. Yeah, I always <laughs> saw advertisements for BNSF after the news hour on PBS, <laughs> and I was like, oh, Why cool. would you advertise that? <laughs> it's probably a public image thing. Like, why do big oil producers advertise? What's the so public going to do public against them? Have bad <laughs> public opinion. It was memorable well, enough that I remember it. But public, <laughs> But people can buy oil. You can't, like buy a boxcar filled with coal. So, Amtrak, huge. And also, I would like to put forward a very controversial opinion I have that is going to make everyone in this room and on the internet very mad. I thought you weren't going to say anything controversial. I lied. I'm evil and I'm a deceiver of lies. That's fine. So, would you like to hear this controversial opinion? I'm listening. Amtrak is the best inner city rail service in the Western Hemisphere. Prove me wrong. Is this because, like, all of continental Europe is in the Eastern Hemisphere? <laughs> it is. Or I shouldn't say in the Western Hemisphere because I guess technically, like... No, that's not true either. Yeah. I, I have in, no in reason. In the Americas. So so who has better? Via rail? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Go transit. Mexico got rid of their passenger rail service. Rude. Um... Brazil doesn't have a national rail carrier. Argentina doesn't. Oh, come on. Argentina could have, like, the longest route ever. All they have is commuter rail for Buenos Aires, and that's it. Does Chile have a big, long train? No. Nope. Then I have no reason America to disagree with you. America has the best passenger rail service in the Americas. That's depressing. America! America! Yes. Number one. U.S.A. U.S.A. <laughs> outright sad. U.S.A. Okay. Well, and I mean, to be fair, the NEC is actually, like, good. Okay. Other <laughs> than the NEC. NEC is pog. I mean, it's not great, but it's acceptable. Okay. Out here, <laughs> we, get, we get one train per direction per day. Yeah, and a connecting commuter rail service that runs every half hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Occasionally. Cool. No, but, like, Amtrak is not as bad as people make it out to be especially compared to our neighbors. Like, via rail, their trans- their transcontinental train runs, like, once a week. <laughs> um, and we have three that run once a day. Uh, you know, the corridor service between London, Ontario, and Quebec, Quebec, just sucks. <laughs> like, it's not, it's no SL. It's barely even a Northeast regional level of service. So, like, you know... It's not great, and it can certainly be better, but it's the best in the Americas, and God bless the United States. <laughs> uh, uh, Kyle is not happy. Uh, I'm going to read this as Amtrak is good in the NEC and has a lot of potential for future cross-country service that doesn't suck. Just get a car, you hippie. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. Because driving across the country is famously faster than taking a train across the country. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say you're going. Assuming alone it isn't garbage. Yeah. Assuming you're not doing the race from LA to New York. <laughs> oh my goodness. Also assuming you're at least pretending to follow traffic laws. Ah, uh, traffic. And you haven't laws. souped up your car. Traffic with like laws, traffic laws. Yeah, Everyone you, breaks. You them. don't have nitrous oxide in your trunk. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as actual practical travel. It's nice to Just be able fly. to... <laughs> yeah. Flying. Or like take the high-speed train across the country. There's never going to be a high-speed train across the country. It's economically infeasible. Higher speed. If by higher speed you mean, like, 79, yes. <laughs> 125? No. 
economically infeasible. 79 good. 125 on the flat parts. Well, that's easy. So, yes. And then, then less on the not-so-flat parts. There you go. Good compromise. Yeah, I, I Across I the country in 24 hours, maybe 30. Yeah, New York to LA in two days is pretty reasonable. I'd be happy with that. I'd be very happy with that. That'd yeah. be actually very excellent, <laughs> especially since the current Amtrak trip for doing that is like four and a half days. Really? So, I'm not shorter than that. Because you got to do, like, basically two days to Chicago... And then you transfer, which, since all the trains run once a day, that can be like a 10-hour layover. <laughs> and then you transfer to a train that takes three days to get to California. Assuming it's not horribly Assuming delayed. Assuming it's not horribly Amtrak. delayed, which it will be because it's a... <laughs> cause it's a you know, uh, Amtrak really loves pretending they're an airline. 10-hour layover, layover, if you like. Waiting at okay, the gate. Okay, well, you try and, doing it with once a, try and do good transfers yeah. with once-a-day trains that are always delayed by Union Pacific and BNSF and CSX and... Utah Rail. Uh, what's the other one? <laughs> There's one more. Norfolk Southern. There you go. That's all the railroads. <laughs> yep. So, anyway, what services doth the Amtrak operateth? The California Zephyr. That is one of them. That is objectively one of the worst ones of them. Uh, the, cool. The best Amtrak route in Utah. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Woo! USA! US! No. So, uh, Amtrak services largely fall into three categories. Northeast corridor routes, state-sponsored routes, and long-distance routes. Hmm. I guess let's start with the northeast corridor, because that's the Cause Congress that's one. that's a good one, <laughs> right. So, the NEC is the location of Amtrak's fastest and most frequent service. Because, get this, Amtrak owns the tracks. Yes. And Wait. put electricity on them, too. What? Yeah. Yeah. So through the magic of not being physically prevented from running service... <laughs> <laughs> Amtrak runs service. I know. What a concept. So, Amtrak runs the Acela, America's only, parentheses, sort of, close parentheses. Uh, higher speed. Hey, it's right? high speed rail. It goes 160. Where? New Jersey. They install a new 27-mile section that you can go 160 over. Oh, that's Ooh. cool, actually. 160? Yeah. I would not Previous want to get pancaked by that. Well, there's okay. no grade crossings. Well, I will slap a solid sort of high speed on that one that segment. Is technically high That's speed. That's very rail. high speed for America. That one little piece is technically well, high speed. Well, if a service operates over high speed track, it's considered high speed rail by the. <laughs> <laughs> and there are other sections of fast track. There's not very many, and it's just not that much of a percentage of the whole route. Solid potential. Solid potential. Uh, so. It's America's only sort of high-speed rail service along this route, uh, as well as the Northeast Regional, which provides local service. Along with Amtrak, several local commuter rail agencies, SEPTA, MARC, NJT, Metro North, the MBTA, and uh, I think it's just CTA, Connecticut Transportation Agency. I think so, yeah. Um, or is that Chicago? Other CTA. There's more than one, I guarantee oh, it. Because hey. we all just use the same three acronyms. At least we can pronounce these uh, Northeast acronyms. SEPTA's a good one. The Society for the Elimination of Passenger Trains in America. Not anymore. (laughs) They run commuter services on the Northeast Corridor. Wow. So the funny thing about the Northeast Corridor is that Amtrak kind of operates like the through service on it, right? Like the Acela makes major stops in like major cities and the Northeast Regional makes all stops. That makes sense as a national passenger railroad. But if you really wanted to, you could take like 
Mark from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore. Sept. <laughs> what do you want to bet there's a Miles in Transit video about this? There is. Uh, Sept from Baltimore to Philly. NJT from Philly to New York. Metro North from New York to, like, Hartford. And the MBTA from Hartford to Boston. And it would take you, like, 10 hours, but you could do it. Or probably, like, 12 hours. You know, that sounds a lot more fun than taking obscenely long uh, connecting local bus routes in Utah because trains are fun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot more service on the Northeast Corridor than, like, than you would think from just looking at Amtrak schedules is what I'm trying it's, it's to say here. It's not just Amtrak. There's plenty of track capacity to go around. Do they have three tracks the whole way through or is it mostly just double track? Four tracks the whole way through. Really? The whole thing's quad track? Quad it track? It runs a lot of service and Acela skips a lot of stops and there's freight rail that still goes on the Northeast Corridor and there's a lot of commuter service so I believe that almost the whole thing is quad tracked. Cool. Because I've seen videos of, well, that, where they'll have like a platform with like three tracks or something but I guess quad track makes a lot of sense. F- three tracks... We're going to have to do an episode on express service someday and why three tracks are actually a bad idea. Well, yeah, because you can't run express in both directions. Right, you can only run peak hour. So Man, the capacity. Yeah, so the Northeast Corridor <laughs> can move a lot of people, and it does move a lot of people. Amtrak uh, pre-pandemic ridership, and that's Amtrak only, right? Not all these other services. Okay, keep that in mind. Doing all your locals. 20 million a year. Whew, reasonable. A lot, right? Now... Let's let's expand the picture a little bit to our local agencies. How many people do you think pre-pandemic rode at any point on the Northeast Corridor on the average weekday pre-pandemic? Take a guess. Like, just throw it out there. 500,000. I don't think I could guess. I don't know enough. 900,000. Almost a million people. Dang. So, the sucker moves. That's a lot of service. Yeah. And... So the Northeast Corridor is is something, especially between New York City and Philadelphia. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Acela is, for now, the United States' only high-speed train, operating 16 weekday round trips between Boston South Station and Washington Union Station. Acela is a premium-only service with only business and first-class seats available on board. Wow. That's, like, almost hour frequency, right? Yes. Basically, you can get in a cell every hour in both directions. So That's nice. nice. It's captured, actually, a pretty significant portion of the rail air market <laughs> because, like, people want to talk about, like, total mode share across, like, a transportation route. Like, let's yeah, say yeah. Salt Lake City to Ogden, total mode share of front runners, like, two. But... <laughs> but like air versus rail wow we've captured 100% of the air rail market from here to Ogden great does Ogden even have an airport yes does it take commercial airliners yes oh cool so I did not know about <laughs> that Provo and Ogden both have a regional airport but that's such a short distance and it's so easy to take the train or drive right and actually so you'll never guess but so the rail air market is considered the most important because that's like luxury in quotations travel and that's yeah. the mode share you want to get if you're a high speed train you're trying to compete with planes over short distances and that's especially mm-hmm. a good thing because of the climate yeah and so Acela actually between Boston and New York City has captured 52% 
nice. of the rail air market. Very, which very is good amount. Good. And then that's a lot longer distance than our local example, and you're going to have a harder time getting from there well, to sure, there Well, sure, it's like Provo to, Provo to Octon. <laughs> Yeah. Because Northeast is tiny. That was a joke. It's not actually that short. I was just making a joke because the Northeast <laughs> is tiny. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Acela also operates at a maximum speed of 160 miles an hour, as On we discussed. that, like, one spot? In that one spot. It operates at 150, a few other spots, 125, a lot of spots, and 115, like, most of its length. Isn't What's the average speed? Isn't it, like... 70. Okay. Which is really good. For, for something that maxes out at, at 100, 115. At 160. And yeah. For something that maxes out at 115 in most, most places, places, that's a that's good, pretty that's a respectable, respectable number. Especially yeah. if you're, like, say, competing against highway travel. That right. matches and highway travel in an imaginary world with no traffic. The best. Completely creams regular travel. The best to sell a schedule that you can get is about six and a half hours from Boston South Station to Union Station in Washington. Cool. Good. Reasonable, right? I yeah. don't have any context for how long that would take via other modes, but that sounds good. It's well, like a... With no traffic provided... So, the Northeast <laughs> is essentially one large city, right? Yeah. Of, like, 40 million people. Yeah. Um, so, provided that there is no traffic in a city of 40 million people... It's an imaginary scenario. You can drive there in a little over seven hours. Which is worse than the Amtrak. However, you are never going to drive there in that amount of time. Ever. Ever. Or, or just drive there in general. Yeah, that, that's just <laughs> stupid. That would be doing that would be dumb. Uh, so, that's the Acela. It's America's best train. It also looks kind of cool. It has bullet train aesthetics, even if it isn't really one. Are they still <laughs> running the, like, tilting train sets? No. Not anymore. Okay. That was, like, way back in the day. Well, I'm uh, as nauseating to be on. They can be if you do it wrong. Like England did. Like England did with the... We're going to have to talk about the advanced passenger train someday. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> That's the name. Yeah. So what, uh, we're going to have to talk is, about is, British is it trains. Tilting, is it a tilting train? It was train a tilting set? train. It was, it was it invented was in England. Emphasis was. on the was. How early technology are we talking? That's for a later date. Okay. But early. <laughs> moving on from Acela, <sighs> you get to the Northeast Regional, which is like the Acela, but local. S- low. Cow? Slow and oh. local. Local. Yeah. Local <laughs> service is important. Yeah, so it operates 18 round trips a day between Boston South and Newport News in Norfolk, Virginia. Wait, wait, Newport News? Yeah. Is that a town? Uh-huh. It's also where they build aircraft carriers. Hmm. Oh. It's fun fact. Um, well, interesting. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. Um, Frequency is comparable. Yeah, and then they operate 15 daily trips on the weekend uh, to make up for Acela's reduced schedules on Friday, or excuse me, on Saturday and Sunday. Because on Saturdays, Acela operates four trains. Why so much less? Is it just because commuter? I don't know. I don't know, man, because they assume there's no business travel on Saturday, and since Acela is traditionally a business service, it operates a lot on Sunday, though. It operates like 12, so. Why not just do 12 on Saturday and Sunday? Oh, money. The Northeast Corridor makes money. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, that's a So Amtrak actually (laughs) runs trains based on making money there. Interesting. Hmm. 
Yeah. Not to mention the uh, the, the, the age-old American concept of only running commuter service for office workers who work 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, excluding bank holidays. That's right. And running service for no one else. That's right. The only people that need to go anywhere. Everyone else is just doing crime. Oh, okay, cool. This is true. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, okay, and then that's, of course, in addition to all of the other services that run across the NEC, because, like, every route on the East Coast ultimately converges into New York City eventually, (laughs) so they all end up on the Northeast Corridor. Um, Oh, and then, you know, also the uh, Keystone service, which is Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, to New York via Philadelphia runs 13 trips a day, so there are, like, 40 Amtrak trips between New York and Philadelphia every day. Jeez. That's that's a lot. Yeah. I, I should that's really like go to the north. Twenty to thirty minute right? frequency equivalent. Basically. Plus the SEPTA and NJT <sighs> and of course there's more. <laughs> uh, Metro North. Really good for regional service. Yeah. So anyway, quite good. Um state supported routes. Uh, hmm. so, so we're leaving the, the, we're leaving the transit heaven of the Northeast well, Corridor. For, not at first. Um, oh, Because <laughs> we got to talk about the Keystone first. Okay. Yeah, so state-supported routes. State-supported routes are more local routes paid for by state DOTs to provide rail service between major cities within their states and nearby. These can be as infrequent as once every day and as frequent as 13 trips a day. It depends where you are. We discuss this more in our episode featuring Mike Christensen. Yes, we do, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, notable routes amongst the state-supported routes is the most notable, the Keystone service, which, as we just discussed, runs between New York, Philadelphia, and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, which is the state capital, so that the largest city and state capital of Philadelphia are connected by 13 trains a day, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unlike here, where the largest city is the state capital. Yeah, <laughs> owned Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so 13 daily round trips. It also runs onto the NEC, so there's a lot of trains between New York and Philly. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Train, train good, actually. Yep. Surprisingly. Uh, the second most frequent intercity rail service outside of the Northeast Corridor is the Pacific Surfliner, which provides service between San Luis Obispo, I think. You're not as good as, at this as you are at French. I don't speak Spanish. Do you speak Spanish? San Luis Obispo. San Luis Obispo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I made that sound like it was an incantation or something. Um, <laughs> Los Angeles and San Diego. Uh, Ten daily round trips. Really? In California? Uh-huh. That's cool. California tries. California based? Okay, well, they're trying pretty hard. Well, and the other thing about that is you can get Metrolink trains and coaster trains ah. to a station in the middle, so there, there's effective, there's more effective frequency along the route, but like, you That's know. That's what Amtrak runs? Yeah. Mm. Cool, cool. Uh, the next one is the Capital Corridor, service between San Jose and Sacramento with nine daily round trips. Another California one. Yeah, it is uh, sometimes considered to be a cons- commuter service and to my knowledge is the only Amtrak service on the Transit app. What? Yeah, Interesting. it's on the Transit app. <laughs> okay. That's that. Uh, the Down Easter which is another one of these. This one's supported by Maine. Uh, it's like kind of a northern, ex- uh, infrequent northern extension of the Northeast Corridor. 
Uh, it takes from Boston's North Station to Portland, Maine. Oh, I thought I thought that said Portland, Oregon. No, Portland, Maine. <laughs> Aw, boring. Um, because the cursed thing about Boston, right, is it has two major rail stations, South Station and North Station. Is there something linking these? There is not. Wasn't there supposed to be as part of the big dig? There was. <laughs> Why don't we have that? So the Northeast Corridor could continue further north if it wanted to. If the big dig hadn't been botched but, so badly. But North Station and South Station are only connected by non-revenue track. So there you go. So if the the big dig had followed through on its promise uh, to connect being those a pack two, of lies. Yeah. then the Northeast Corridor proper could just straight up continue. I mean, I don't know if it would be worth it to continue the NEC to maybe a few re- like Northeast regional trains could go to okay. Portland, Maine, but like otherwise... But you could yeah. through run some trains if you wanted to, which is Ooh, good. For example, Montreal. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. What, did um, they like check your passport on the train? There are Amtrak trains that go to Canada. America train. Oh, I didn't know that. We're going to learn about them later. Cool. Um, the next most frequent one is the Amtrak Cascades, which is like the pre-cu- precursor of the future like Northwest regional. <laughs> um, what's weird about the the Cascades is it doesn't like through run all trains and like the it's a really complex service pattern, but like. From the three, from the two major cities on the route, Portland and Seattle, you can expect six trains a day to the opposite city, and then like infrequent trains to Vancouver and south of Portland. Okay. Cool. It's very complicated. As long as the people who live there understand it, they do use tilting trains. Why? Because they bought some old Talgo train sets to run on the thing. And so they, they happen to be money. tilting? And they happen to be tilting trains. Even though they don't really need it? Yeah. Huh. All right. So there you go. Um, I mean, those are going out of service pretty soon because they're really old, but like... Yeah, that, that makes sense. Sweet. Anyway, fun fact. Northwest Regional when? <laughs> Someday. Northwest Express when? West Coast Regional. Yeah. Inshallah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God wills it. Uh, and then the other one that's kind of notable is Illinois, Illinois. <laughs> Illinois. Illinois. Yes. Um, which is quite, like, really taken advantage of Amtrak. Uh, it has four state-supported Amtrak services to, like, all of its different little weird towns and this also is, to Missouri and Wisconsin. This is, the this is like, the big example Mike Christensen used in his report about Utah potential state-sponsored Amtrak because there's just so much of it here. Yeah, there's a lot in... It's not very frequent, but it exists, and that's yeah. nice. Seems like they're using it for what it should have been used for. I think most of them run twice a day, which is... I think there are some three times a day ones, too. Yeah. yeah. So, there you better go. Better than nothing. Better than nothing, better that's than, right. Better than Utah. Uh, <laughs> and then... and that. So, those are some state-sponsored routes. Obviously, I'm glossing over a lot here. Because like the future there are like 50 Amtrak routes. <laughs> from Logan to almost St. George. Sure. And from Salt Lake area to Grand Junction, Colorado. Yes, Kyle. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm, yeah. to- I'm, I'm just plugging our other, other episode. I know you're plugging our other episode. But train to Logan, please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Logan should be a frontrunner extension. That's my I controversial agree. opinion. I, that's I, not I agree. It's too. not. It shouldn't be an Amtrak route. It should be a it front should runner. be a frontrunner extension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or the Cache Valley Transit District train. Oh my God! Uh, Cache Valley Central. Transit District runs commuter service <sighs> hey, to if, Ogden. If you don't, where wants, you have to do a linear transfer oh to frontrunner. Yeah. If you don't want uh, some practice doing track construction, they could get working towards Brigham City. That'd be I'm hilarious. waiting. 
that'd be hilarious. So, those are the state-sponsored routes that I've chosen to cover. Obviously, there are more, and I don't care about them. Um, <laughs> Next, the long-distance routes. Amtrak's long-distance routes are the stuff of legend. Some span the entire continent and are thousands of miles long. Others run through the most scenic regions the North American continent has to offer. All of Amtrak's long-distance routes run once per direction per day. <laughs> so, like, so once per direction per day, um, and then you end up with stuff like the Californian Zephyr in Utah, where the departures are at like 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. Well, it's because they time it up so you don't see Utah. Oh, it's so we're not so cool. so you sleep through Utah and you wake up in beautiful Colorado. Honestly, and then, fair. and then in beautiful uh, Nevada slash California. Yeah. Because it goes through the boring part of Utah. It so goes through the awful bit of the Great Basin. Yeah. See, this is what I was talking about earlier with Amtrak spinning their long distance routes to appe- appeal somewhat to just going on the train to go on the train and well, see the sights. Well, and the other thing is uh, the DNRGW mainline that runs through Salt Lake City yeah. is an incredibly busy freight corridor. Gotcha. So there is also like an ulterior motive to that is that reducing conflict with Union Pacific and Utah Railway trains. Yeah, that makes sense. We do just have the, the, the two freight tracks going north-south, and that's it. Uh, sometimes it's quad-tracked. Sometimes. Sometimes it's like five tracks. Yeah. Anyway, so notable routes include the Empire Service, which is Chicago to Portland and Seattle via the northern states. Portland, Maine, or Portland, Oregon? Oregon. Cool. The good one. <laughs> um Roughly 2,200 miles. Uh, what's interesting about the Empire uh the Empire, the Empire Service. Builder? Yeah, which is the Empire Builder. I don't know why it says Empire Service there. Because he wrote it wrong. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, what's interesting about it is that the route begins simultaneously in Portland and Seattle and then merges together to become one train in Spokane, Washington. Right. Yeah. So it starts as two trains that like leave at the same time to meet in Spokane, and then they become one train to go to all the way to Chicago. I mean, why and do... And the same thing happens in reverse. I mean, huh. why do branch service and run two trains a day when you could do this and run one train a day to save money? <laughs> it's great. I love it. <laughs> Wait. Uh, <sighs> that's crazy. You know it's great. They, you know you love it. Two trains. You love America. <laughs> is there at least a nice station in Spokane? I believe so, yes. Okay, and good. it's normally a pretty fast operation because they literally just, like, they pull the locomotive off one end of the thing, <laughs> get it out of the way, and then shove the trains onto the the cars onto the other one, hook it together, that is off across the continent. And with what Amtrak do all times are already, that's not really an issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amtrak spends a lot of time at its stations. Well, um, yeah, because they board all the passengers single file. Well, and airport. because people have to get off. Airport like, single file. Stuff. Like it's an airplane. Yes, Kyle. <laughs> um, another notable long-distance service is the Coast Starlight, which runs to Los Angeles, from Los Angeles to Seattle via San Francisco and Portland. 1,377 miles. That's probably, in my opinion, like the second most seen a can track route. Like, because you're... Going through the, the hole of like the Cascade. Crest Doesn't that one have like the tracks that are like on the literal coast of California that get flooded? Sometimes? Uh, that's actually the Surfliner that we were talking oh, about. Oh right, right. I oh wait, I, I took the Coastal Starlight. You have taken the yeah. Coastal Starlight. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful train. Yes, it is. Uh, then the crown jewel of them all 
the California <laughs> Zephyr. I feel like you're a bit here. Shut up. Amtrak's <laughs> longest and arguably most scenic route, running from Chicago to San Francisco. Actually, Emeryville. It doesn't go to San Francisco. Via Denver and Salt Lake City. And it's the longest uh, Amtrak route in existence at 2,438 miles. It's a long sucker, right? Yeah. Um, Another notable route, the Lakeshore Limited, New York uh, or Boston to Chicago via Albany, Syracuse, Buffalo, and Cleveland. This doesn't do the Portland thing. It just alternates based on the day. Why not just run two trains a day? Because Portland and Seattle are large enough cities that they weren't daily service to Spokane. Okay, but two trains a day on the main route would mean one train per day on the branches. You think BNSF's going to stand for that? (laughs) And herein lies the problem with the Amtrak model. Yeah, which we're going to talk about next episode when we get into all the history and stuff. This is like the this was going to become the longest episode of all time if I tried to put everything I wanted to here. Nothing so we're that. not. Uh, and then the Silver Star slash Silver Meteor, both of the, there are two different routes, but they have like the slight route deviation in Georgia. Um, okay. <laughs> to serve different areas of Georgia. Huh. Uh, they run from NYC to Miami via two different routes, one of which hits Atlanta, uh, either 1,389 or 1,522 miles. And then Amtrak's final inter- er, transcontinental route, the Southwest Chief, which runs from Chicago to L.A. via the Southwest U.S., 2,256 miles. And that would be so, the third of the transcontinental route. Yes. Huh. Okay. Does that, cool. does, that go, does that go along the part of Mexico that America brought so it could run trains? Yes. Okay. <laughs> cool. We're living that up to our heritage, baby. That's the only thing I remember about history class. And the great thing is that it doesn't serve the largest city in the southwestern United States. Is that one of the ones in Texas? Phoenix. Oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't serve Phoenix. It serves like a place like 50 miles south of Phoenix because, of course, it does. Because <laughs> <laughs> why would it? Why would, why would it, serve? it serve a big, big capital right. city? Well, right. It's like the Zephyr, which goes to Emeryville instead of just actual San Francisco. Well, that's just because there's no way to get over the bay. Oh. Like, you can walk to a bar station from Emeryville. Oh, okay. And get into San Francisco for real. But. But. But there's no rail connection from Phoenix to the Amtrak. Yeah. Because the Amtrak is presumably in the middle of bloody nowhere. Basically. Yep. Serve Tucson. Um, <laughs> Tuscan. Yeah. Anyways, that's funny. Yeah. Um, good, good, good on Amtrak for doing the best they can to provide usable service on these routes, despite rampant op- opposition from the host railroads. Yes. And then the three or the four weirdest trains Amtrak has to offer. So Amtrak is the only international rail provider in. The Americas. Okay. So it runs three routes into Canada. Wow. Um, the Maple Leaf from New York to Toronto. Mm. <laughs> Aptly named. <laughs> the Adirondack from New York to Montreal. And the Cascades, which ends some of its northern trips in Vancouver. That sounds useful. And there may be a possibility that um, a new corridor, which like Montana and Utah and Idaho and Alberta want. What, Pioneer Line extension to Alberta? No. Uh, It would be a new route, actually. So it would run from, like, basically Calgary, Edmonton, Great Falls, Montana, Helena, Montana, Butte, Montana, Pocatello, Salt Lake City, um, 
Las Vegas, L.A. Oh, so a nice straight up and down. Yeah. That's a cool route. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be down for that. Filling in a notable I want to go to Calgary. <laughs> filling in a notable north-south gap in the transcontinental. It would be rates. like circum circumferential service for yeah. for two daily Amtrak routes. Let's ha- go. Having three different Amtrak routes going through Salt Lake would be that a would big four. win. Four? Because the Desert Wind, the Pioneer. Wait, Desert oh. Wind. What? The Desert Wind would be here to Las Vegas, basically. And then, daily can, service. and then you can yeah. take your bright line west, theoretically, maybe, possibly, from Vegas to California. So, so take a train from Salt Lake to Las Vegas, do some gambling, then go get on back, to, back to Salt Lake and go up to Canada so you can drink when you're 19. Yes, that's right. Cool. Sweet. That's right. Uh, yeah, so those exist. Um, and then there's a really weird Amtrak train called the Auto Train, which is a car carrier that runs from Lorton, Virginia, which is just south of D.C., to Sanford, Florida, which is just north of Orlando. So it's like the channel without the tunnel. It's basically a Disney tourist shuttle from the Northeast. But why cars? Because you have to have your car with you, otherwise you will die. But wouldn't the tickets be really bloody expensive? Yes. But oh, you can just sit in your car. Well, you don't. You have you get in a different car <laughs> because that's not, Wait, it's not comfortable to sit in your car for twenty hours. Or or safe either because you wouldn't be able to open the doors. Oh, okay. So it's packed in then. Well, yeah. So yeah, there are there are car age. cars and then there are people cars. That's just the weirdest crap ever. Jeez. So like the channel would so. Do, do, do they sell tickets for just people who want to ride? Or I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, because so. there's nothing on either end of it that you can get there without a car. So this is <laughs> oh, no. this could be the only train where you have to have a car to add the train. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, we are. I'm looking you, at the Amtrak. If you're going to ride page. this, you just want to ride one of the silver services. Okay. Uh, let Let me see if I can find the the ticket prices. Um, this is. Yeah, that from... is notoriously hard to do on the Amtrak website. Oh, you can avoid the congestion on I-95 and put your feet up, enjoy the free Wi-Fi, and read a book. Woo. Well, you can take your van on Read there. a book or go... Can I take my no. big rig? <laughs> <laughs> Which I have. See, I feel like the only good use for that would be if you wanted to sell your car in a different state. Because they true. would pay yeah. you more. Although you can't get off midway. Right, because the logistics of that would be bloody impossible. So this goes from Virginia. It's very literally a Disney shuttle. Wow. The mouse strikes again. Thank you, Amtrak, for auto-completing the route because you can't do anything other than the, the two end stations. Oh, so you can buy a ticket without a car. It looks like it. $89 yeah. from Virginia to Florida. But okay. Well, if you can find some way to get around at either end of the thing, that's not too bad. I know, right? Coach is not bad on Amtrak. Better than an airline. Oh, yeah. Huh. As has as been established, I, I tried to ride flying. Amtrak. And it Amtrak said no. No, the weather said no. There was a washout over the tracks in Green River, <laughs> Utah, and they couldn't keep going because of the Federal Railroad Administration as cowards. Ooh. <laughs> mm. Ooh. It was, only th- it was only three hours late. Uh, well, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. but, like, a fun f- fact for people traveling to Provo on a Sunday without a car you can get down there via the blue line, the 871 and the 850, but getting back up, you have to leave at like 4 <laughs> if you want to take UTA. But mm. you can get the California Zephyr at 930 out of Provo to Salt Lake. Honest. In the chance it's And it's only delayed. like 14 bucks, right? 
Yeah, it's fourteen dollars. Honestly, See, useful. I, I, I kind of want to try that. I did. It didn't work, but I think I was kind of the exception rather than the rule in that case, because normally Amtrak isn't delayed that badly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It only gets a bad delay like once a week, and I happen to be on that day. <laughs> and you happen to be on like a particular schedule. I've seen. Yeah. I've seen. Um, like I would have taken it if my friends hadn't made me not. Wait, they made you not? Yeah, they were like, oh, you, you're not going to wait out there for three hours. I'm like, why not? I have my AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the weapon yeah. was nice, too. So they drove me out. But anyway. Here we go. $269. $269. That's not that much. One forty nine. Might save you, actually save you in gas. Yeah. And, you know, deprecation and stuff. Since and you driving can, costs 72 cents a mile, yes. You can you know? pay 89 for priority offloading of your car. You can be one of the first 30 cars off the train. I don't care. Or you can <laughs> motorbike for 150 You know, not as expensive as I expected. Can you take a regular bike? On um, this train? I don't know. You can on most Amtrak trains. Yeah, you Probably. can just buy a ticket for your bike. You have to reserve a crazy far in advance, though. Don't you have to, like, disassemble your bike and put it in a box sometimes? Okay, that's good. I heard that was the thing. So, that is part one of Amtrak. Tune in next week for part two where we talk about Amtrak's past, present, and future, as well as what's wrong with them and how we should fix it. Uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and give us a follow and rating on iTunes and Spotify. You can visit our website at trlpod.com and follow us on Twitter at the redline underscore pod. For piping hot takes. Piping hot yeah. urbanism. So, our at $10, our frontrunner tier patrons are Curtis Herring, Mike Christensen, Phobos2390. And Zach Adams. And Zach Adams. Nice to meet you. Hi, Zach Adams. At uh, the red line tier at $5, we have Brian Smith, Christopher Whaley. What? Okay, wait. Okay, so at our slightly above frontrunner tier at $20 a month, we have Zach Adams. At our frontrunner tier... At our frontrunner rush hour service tier, we have <laughs> Zach Adams. Yes, our frontrunner future express service to Ogden tier. <laughs> <laughs> let's go, let's go. Okay, so at our slightly higher than frontrunner tier, we have Zach Adams at $20. At frontrunner tier at $10, we have Curtis Herring, Mike Christensen, and Phobos2390. At our redline tier at $5, we have Brian Smith, Christopher Whaley, Jacob Whitecotton, and Robert P. Walsh. At our blue line tier at $3, we have Ben Busoth, DJ Will Watkins, hi Will, Ethan McDonald, and Martin Hawker Martinez. Hi Will. I, I said <laughs> hi to Will earlier. You did? Yeah. Good job. Oh yeah, we did see Will earlier. Hi, hi Will. Recurring problem. So that's the episode. Um, we have now had one year of the Red Line podcast, which is quite yeah. exciting. Or at least that's coming up soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Content be like. Content be like. Content um, machine is going burr right it now. It does. I agree. We are indeed burring. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Anyway, you need to make a, like a remix of something of, of that. I want to like have some fun with the outro music. I'm gonna make a Christmas one. Do it. Do I just still have just add sleigh bells in the background mm-hmm. and like or something like that. Wait, so how much how much are we making a month now? Seventy two dollars. Okay, that's it must what have been there earlier, earlier right? but we didn't yeah, see yeah. it. No, because it did say it said eleven and seventy two, and I was like, I swear it was at like fifty two. 
You're so, right. So I, I think this kind of changes the numbers on our Patreon sticker idea. So uh, Alex, you want to go do some graphic design? I think we've started on this previously designing stickers. What do you yeah. mean this changes the numbers? We are we are now getting a large amount of money per month. Fifty-two dollars is a large amount of money. But seventy-two is larger. Even larger. <laughs> like if a batch of stickers is like a hundred and something in the low hundreds. Bad. And also we should do a Patreon exclusive episode if you would write that. I think that is an excellent right. idea. Oh, cool. We should record it at some point. Sweet. Um, Next oh. Tuesday or Monday and Tuesday we record? With the hell, what do you think about that, Alex? Next Monday, Tuesday? Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. I'm, 6 p.m. on Monday and one Tuesday. One will be a Patreon episode. One will be Amtrak Part 2. Sweet.